The following podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses child neglect. Listener's discretion is advised. And remember, listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. Welcome back to the Three Little Words podcast, where we read and rank your favorite romance novels on steaminess, dreaminess, and memeiness. I'm Nicole. And I'm Claudia. And today, we will be discussing One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Claudia, what did you think of this book? I thought it was very long, but it was very good. I freaking loved this book. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard me talk about The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. You mentioned that on the podcast once. Oh, one of my favorite books. But it gave me like very similar vibes in the sense of like, oh my God, without giving too much away, but like this person leaving a mark on people throughout different parts of history, I guess. I'm trying to be vague. We'll get into it. (laughs) Anyway, but I freaking love this book. Literally, no one does it like queer folk. (laughs) It's true. I don't think we've read any straight slow burns yet on this podcast, but <laughs> goddamn, the three queer slow burns that we have read are just mwah. They're beautiful. Mwah. Yeah, I really freaking enjoyed this. Casey McQuiston is also the author of Red, White, and Royal Blue, which I believe they're making into a movie. Yes, and it has the guy from Purple Hearts in it. He's one of the, the leads. Purple Heart. Oh, that that terrible movie on Netflix. Oh, God, hang on. I gotta gotta look this up. (laughs) And people theorize that the reason why he's in Purple Hearts is to like butch up his appearance a bit before he plays like two or three gay characters in a row. Oh, (laughs) oh, this fucking guy. Mm -hmm. Nicholas Galitzin, I guess. Yeah, it sounds right. Wow. Good for him. Is he is he canonically queer in real life? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Let me check the wiki. (laughs) Under personal life on his Wikipedia, all it says is he lives in Hammersmith, London, England. (laughs) Ah, I see. Amazing. Okay, anyway, so back to this one. (laughs) (laughs) Let's read the back of the book here. Mm -hmm. For cynical 23-year-old August, moving to New York City is supposed to prove her right that things like magic and cinematic love stories don't exist, and the only smart way to go through life is alone. She can't imagine how waiting tables at a 24-hour pancake diner and moving in with too many weird roommates could possibly change that. And there's certainly no chance of her subway commute being anything more than a daily trudge through boredom and electrical failures. But then there's this gorgeous girl on the train. Jane. Dazzling, charming, mysterious, impossible Jane. Jane with her rough edges and swoopy hair and soft smile showing up in a leather jacket to save August's morning when she needs it most. August's subway crush becomes the best part of her day, but pretty soon she discovers there's one big problem. Jane doesn't just look like an old school punk rocker. She's literally displaced in time from the 1970s, and August is going to have to use everything she tried to leave in her own past to help Jane. Maybe it's time to start believing in some things after all. 
I always forget the back of books just spoil shit. Yeah, honestly, like, okay, because I think we had, like, very, 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 very briefly, like, discussed this book Mm -hmm. when we were deciding that we, like, wanted to pick it. And I knew it was going to be going to have, like, some kind of, like, magical element to it. Mm -hmm. But totally forgot otherwise and then just didn't look at the back of the book so i was like oh my god like look at all this stuff that's happening and this is the, literally the first time i'm reading the back of the book <laughs> and i'm like oh wow it's all it's all on here isn't it <laughs> guess we didn't have to worry about spoiling that at the top yeah shit well <laughs> that's what happens i guess no um, we've read several lesbian books already this year yeah which is really funny because it's like how long did it take us to actually like read the first one so monsters of river's edge was our 10th episode Mm -hmm. if we're counting queer books in general then it took us five episodes to get to love me whole but Mm -hmm. then we didn't have one for another five episodes and then for another like three after that yeah because then we hit dykesember yeah yeah and it's only sped up since then my small thing is like i was thinking today like are we reading too many lesbian books but at the same time when we read like seven straight books in a row I'm rarely like, oh, this is too many straight books in a row because, you know, heteronormativity and stuff. Yeah. It's just the default. Yeah. But it is nice to have a lot of queer books. I do love it. Especially like queer books when we have at least one of the main characters here is a woman of color. And I'm like, hell yeah. Yes. Love that for us. <laughs> Jane slaps. Jane's so hot. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's get into it so <laughs> okay. we can talk about Jane. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. So, okay, also just like the structure of this book, I like how every chapter begins with like a little kind of blurb. Mm-hmm. So like chapter one being taped to a trash can inside the Popeye's Louisiana kitchen at the corner of Parkside and Flatbush Avenues, seeking young single roommate for three bedroom apartment upstairs, sixth floor, $700 a month, must be queer and trans friendly, must not be afraid of fire or dogs. No Libras. We already have one. <laughs> Call Nico. so august let's talk about august our girl august Mm -hmm. she's the main character here she is a 23 year old student and she's kind of hopped around between like schools and majors she's the kind of person who has never really felt like she has belonged anywhere Mm -hmm. i mean just moving into this apartment i think she had what like four or five boxes of stuff Yeah, five boxes of stuff, and if she wanted to, she could pare it down to four. Yeah, which is, I mean, I don't think I could fit the stuff in this room alone in four boxes. Oh, God, no. No, no, thank you. The first person she meets here is Nico, which is who the flyer told her to contact. And Nico immediately is like, can I touch you? And August is like, what the fuck? (laughs) But turns out, Nico's a psychic, and so he wanted to make physical contact with her so that he could get a read on her which i thought was very funny because again i did not like really read the well i didn't read the back of the book at all and so i didn't expect it to be a legitimate thing mm-hmm. i was like oh like this, this here's this fucking quirky ass dude who is just trying to read the vibes off of somebody but no he is legitimately psychic <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny because, I mean, you kind of took the same journey that August takes, where initially she's like, well, this guy is a big weirdo or is maybe scamming people or, you know, he has that sincere yoga instructor vibe where he believes what he's saying. But then, you know, over the course of the book, it just turns out that he's psychic. Yeah, <laughs> I freaking love that. 
And it's not the strangest thing in this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These three roommates that August ends up moving in with, they need a fourth because rent is going up, I think. Or they just decide that they want to split it better. So Nico and his girlfriend, Myla, are going to move into the same room. And August is going to take Myla's room. And then their third roommate, Wes, he is, like, nocturnal, yeah. basically. <laughs> he, wor he works a night job and is very... How do I say this without saying autistic? <laughs> because they all are. <laughs> He's very introverted and very... I don't know if the term neurotic is nice, but I'm mentally ill, so I feel like I can say that. Yeah. I don't know what other word we could use, because, yeah. <laughs> He's skittish. Yeah. What I really like about this book is that I feel like our side characters here, like our the rest of the cast, very fleshed out. Mm -hmm. Like, I really liked this whole cast, and I do feel like the roommates slash friends actually played a significant role in this. And it was really nice to see. Like, they're not just, yeah. like, supporting characters just to further the... Well, I mean, like, yeah. But, like, they're also there and they have their own, like, things that make them interesting. And they're all very fleshed out. And I really like that. Yeah, it really felt like I know these people, you know? Yeah. Like, I have met every one of these people. Yeah, I'm like, these are literally my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I freaking love Myla, who's, um, I guess we could just say, I don't know. She's very bubbly and also secretly a genius who, like, has studied electrical engineering and stuff. Mm -hmm. But August immediately assumes that she studied art because she just, like, has that kind of energy and also, like, those hobbies. <laughs> yeah, she's also an artist. Yeah. So, very fun. And Wes was going to architecture school. Then he quit. And so his parents are like, all right, well, we're cutting you off because he had like a trust fund and shit. And he was like, mm -hmm. OK, <laughs> and now he's just a tattoo artist. Yeah, the boy had a nervous breakdown. He apparently at one point trapped himself naked on a fire escape, just curled up out there. And it's like, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't do that when I was dropping out of college. But boy, I felt like that. He was having a rough time. Yeah. But no, he's a tattoo artist. It's good yeah. for him. He's doing he's doing good. Oh yeah. Well he's he's fucked up in the head, but he's doing good. <laughs> Better. <laughs> the boy needs therapy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, August needs a place to stay, so she takes the apartment. And immediately she's kind of like, oh, like these people are fucking characters, all right. She does feel sort of left out because they have known each other for so long. And so she's like this fourth person who's just like coming in now. I don't think it's that she doesn't want to belong. It's that she never has. And so she doesn't like know how to. And then she feels othered just because they all have history and she's just coming in. Yeah. So August is like a COVID dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not socialized to play with other dogs. Oh, the reason why that is, is because her mother is estranged from her parents. And she says that part of the reason that is, is because August is a quote, like test tube baby, mm -hmm. where her mother didn't want to get married. And her parents essentially groomed her to become like a trophy wife. And so she didn't want that. And so she wanted to have a kid on her own. And her parents, August's grandparents, were very unhappy with the whole situation. According to her mother, you know, cut off all communication with her. So there's that. And then also, 
her uncle is just missing. <laughs> He's been missing for 50 years. 50 years, which is fucking in that's that's nuts. Yeah. And her mother is obsessed with finding him to the point where it has consumed her life for the last, I don't know, three plus decades, maybe four. Yeah. And it has severely traumatized August. Because it's also completely swallowed up her life, too, where mm -hmm. her mother was essentially training her from a very young age to be freaking Nancy Drew. August at one point mentions like picking a lock and having to distract people so that her mother can sneak into some back rooms and steal some records and shit. So, I mean, with all this going on, you know, it was very hard for her to meet and get to know people, especially because everyone kind of knew that her mom had something going on. And so they were like, we don't want to associate with that. Yeah. And on top of all of that, she lived in New Orleans in 2006 when Hurricane Katrina hit. And did you notice that also that August is often described with water? I don't think I noticed that. There was one thing in particular that really made me go like, the water symbolism is, is off the charts. August tightens her grip, the music keeps playing, she thinks of storm surges of rushes and walls of water and holds on tighter, feels it coming and plants her feet. There's more, and I'm sure that more will come up as we go by, but, but August is very much water-associated. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, her mother also ended up kind of neglecting her because of this, where, like, what was it that she was, like, some event that ended and then she was waiting in the parking lot for, like, five hours afterwards because oh. she was too embarrassed to ask anyone else for a ride home after her mother was late showing up and she got the worst sunburn of her life. Yeah. I forgot exactly what the event was, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff like that. And when uh, Hurricane Katrina hit, they saved nothing from August's room, but her mother saved like one tub full of files on her brother. It's so tough because I mean... Obviously, I sympathize with the mother, like having a brother myself. If he went missing, I'd probably, you know, fucking go nuts trying to find him too. But then it's like, did she not ever realize that she was neglecting her daughter? It's like your brother's missing and like, yes, you want to find him, but your daughter's here. Yeah. It's like I sympathize with her, but also I was like, girl, like why have a kid in that case? Like if you're so consumed by trying to find your brother that you're not giving your own child the time of day or if you are it's literally to benefit your search yeah it's really sad because her mother is clearly very traumatized and very mm -hmm. mentally ill yeah and just <sighs> boomers will literally search for their <laughs> search for their missing brother for 40 years rather than go to therapy <laughs> Oof. <laughs> her roommates are regulars at this diner, like so much so that the waiter doesn't even ask for their order. It just comes with like drinks and stuff. So they already know. Mm -hmm. Regulars. This place, by the way, is called Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Jacobs by Mark Jacobs for <laughs> Mark Jacobs by Mark Jacobs. <laughs> August needs a job. And also they're hiring because somebody on staff just left. And Myla says, hey, you can hire August here. And so August even like fluffed up her resume and was like, yeah, I totally have experience with waiting tables and shit, which she did not. But she gets the job. So good for her. <laughs> yeah, she did well enough. Yeah. <laughs> I also really like how they describe the pancake place having like this kind of magical quality. 
She can see what they meant about Pancake Billy's legendary status. It has a particular type of New Yorkness to it, something she's seen in Edward Hopper painting or the diner from Seinfeld, but with a lot more seasoning. It's a corner unit, big windows facing the street on both sides, dinged up for mica tables and red vinyl seats, slowly being rotated out of the busiest sections as they crack. There's a soda shop bar down the length of one wall, old photos and Mets front pages from floor to ceiling. And it's got a potency of smell, a straight-up, unadulterated olfactory turpitude that August can feel sinking into her being. It's very evocative. Yes. Real quick, the writing in this book, very good. Kaysen Quiston, incredibly talented writer. Oh, yeah. I don't even really have words for it. It's a book that has been sculpted from marble. Yes, 100% agreed. I mean, that just that's just one example. There are multiple times throughout the book where I literally had to just take a break and I was like, wow, this is just really good writing. Yeah, one description of Jane a little bit later in the book literally made me like stop and go, wow. Yeah. Like, it's just good. Yeah, so Casey McQuiston. Probably, probably can't pick this up on my mic, but I'm clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward a little bit. First day of classes. August has memorized like her exact route and everything. She everything is going to go perfectly. You know, she's ready. She's ready to tackle this this new semester, this new school, this new major, everything. And then she spills coffee all over herself. Yeah. <laughs> the heel of her boot skids and she hits the ground knees first, tights ripping open, one hand catching the concrete and the other crushing her coffee into her chest. The lid pops off and coffee explodes across the front of her shirt. Her backpack spills across the pavement as well. And a woman in a parka kicks her phone into the gutter. I like how it says, and well, August does not cry. My ass would be in tears immediately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> my crybaby ass would not be able to hold it together. You know, crying is good for you. Exactly. Let's see, she hasn't cried once since she got to New York, but she's bleeding and covered in hot coffee and she hasn't slept in two days and she can't think of a single person within a thousand miles who gives a shit and her throat burns sharply enough to make her think... God, please, not in front of all these people. I was like, oh. Girl, it's New York. No one cares. That's, that is true. <laughs> but she didn't move across the country to let a skinned knee and a coffee-soaked bra kick her ass. As her mom would say, don't be a little bitch about it. Great parenting. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she scoops up her things and then hops on the subway train. And someone is, like, really close to her. And she's like, oh, it's probably some fucking creepy-ass dude. And so she has this little pocket knife that she keeps on her at all times. Mm. So she's, like, kind of holding on to it. And she's like, oh, you know, because I got to, you know, shank a bitch. But no, it wasn't a creepy man. It's a lady. August's age, maybe older. All devastating cheekbones and jawline and golden brown skin. Her black hair is short and swoopy and pushed back from her forehead. And she's quirking an eyebrow at August. There's a white t-shirt tucked into the ripped jeans and a well-loved black leather jacket settled on her shoulders like she was born in it. The set of her smirk looks like the beginning of a very long story August would tell over drinks if she had any friends. Love that line. Really good. And so this beautiful stranger is just like, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously referring to the coffee stain on her chest. And the ripped and bleeding knees and yeah. her general appearance. Bad day. August can't believe she thought this motorcycle jacket model was a subway pervert. She can't believe a tall butch subway angel saw her crying into her coffee tits. Me, whenever I see a butch. Yeah, right? <laughs> 
Jane's hot. And so, well, we, we don't know this. This beautiful stranger whose name we do not know hands August a scarf and was like, here, like, you need it more than I do. And August is like, no, I can't take this scarf. And a beautiful stranger is like, okay, either you can take it or I will just leave it on the seat and it'll just get sucked into the subway. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so August does take this red scarf from the beautiful stranger who's coming to her rescue to cover her coffee tits so that nobody at school sees. <laughs> also, can we talk about how this book takes place in a world without COVID? Yeah, right? <laughs> uh. While I was reading this, I was like, surely this is like January 2019 to like December 2019, right? But no, it actually starts in like late December of 2019 or early 2020, which actually means it lines up with eight kinky nights. Yeah. <gasps> Oh my god, they exist in the same universe. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny to me, the idea that as uh, Jordan and Leah are finally like getting out of their thing, meanwhile, there is this whole <laughs> supernatural thing happening on the Q train. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. That's canon now. They take place in the same universe. It's true. <laughs> the New York literary universe. <laughs> there is one point later where August is like, she doesn't want to tell Jane about the world of 2020 yet. I was like, oh boy, I wouldn't either. Oh boy, yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so we meet Lucy. And again, just like more people who are very fleshed out despite mm -hmm. not being... Because I would say our main cast, August and Jane, of course. And then even August's roommates, I would consider them like main cast and like Lucy's yeah. supporting cast. And yet even Lucy, very fleshed out as a character. Mm -hmm. Lucy, she runs the place. She runs Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> she is Czech. She moved from the Czech Republic when she was 17. She went to Billy's to get a meal one day and she could not pay. And Billy himself came out of the back and offered her a job. The Billy. The Billy. The Pancake Billy himself. Pancake himself. <laughs> Mr. Pancake. <laughs> Please, Mr. Pancake's my father. Call me Billy. <laughs> Just to kind of give you a glimpse into like, Lucy's character, August mentions not having eaten. And so Lucy was like, well, that's why you keep fucking up. Like you haven't eaten. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, all right, get us some food and orders her like so the weirdest concoction. What was that meal she ordered? It was like a weird sandwich with pancakes in it. Oh, it was the, the Sioux special. Yes, the there Sioux special, the mysterious Sioux special named after somebody who used to work at Pancake Billy's, a secret off menu item. Yes. So the Sioux special, it turns out, is an off-menu item, bacon, maple syrup, hot sauce, and a runny fried egg sandwiched between two pieces of Texas toast. If I liked bacon, I would probably be into that. I'm trying to determine whether or not I would eat that. You know what? Next time we're together, I'm going to make you a Sioux special and oh we're going to see how it goes. I'm thinking because I feel like the Texas toast is throwing me off. That's a lot of bread. <laughs> it is a lot of bread, but it's got that garlic. Does it? I thought Texas toast was just referring to how thick it is. I don't think it all has garlic. To me, Texas toast is like the like huge garlic bread that you get. Oh, that's the freezer kind. But like, because oh my God, I used to eat that shit all the time. It was so good. But I think Texas toast, because like you have like Texas French toast and that's not garlic. That's true. I think it just refers to the thickness of the bread. Thicker slices of bread. Ah. What do you know? So I feel like it's a lot of bread. I don't know. I think I think it can be done, but also you needed to soak up all the the shit that's in it. I feel like if it was like Texas French toast, I feel mm. like I would like it more. So you have like a French toast, bacon, egg, mm -hmm. maple syrup, 
and a little bit of hot sauce. So it's just like it's just breakfast in a bite. Yeah. If it's just plain toast that any, I'm getting too into this anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I love breakfast. <laughs> breakfast is so good. I'm a savory breakfast gal, but I feel like I would need a little more sweetness in this than just the maple syrup. And it okay. has to be real maple syrup, not that garbage that they give you. In you places. know that Billy's probably has real maple syrup. We're talking like Vermont maple syrup. Mm-hmm. I splurged. I spent like $20 on a thing of maple syrup. It was it's so worth it, honestly. It's so good. Fair, fair. Anyway, okay. So yes, the mysterious Sue special, which was like the greatest thing that August has ever eaten. She's like this fucking slaps. So August's on the subway again, and Subway Girl is there again. Yeah. Also, about half the time when they said Subway Girl, I was like, <laughs> like the restaurant <laughs> subway. <laughs> she goes down, and the Subway Girl is there again, and they talk some more. She notices that this girl has a cassette player <laughs> that she listens to to music from. So she just kind of like notes that and she's like, okay, I guess Subway Girl is a Brooklyn hipster. All right. Yeah. Is that a point against her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She mentions to this girl working at Billy's and she was like, oh, I used to work there. She mentions two things. One is she talks about the cook in the back who is like probably 70 plus years old at this point. <laughs> And she's like, does Jerry still work there? And August is like, yeah. And she's like, he's kind of a babe, right? (laughs) August is like, I guess. Like a babe. Oh, my God. And then she mentions the Sue special. And it turns out this is the titular Sue. S-U. Last name, Sue. Yes. Wait, that's my sandwich. I invented it. Yeah, that's my last name, Sue. I had Jerry make it special for me so many times, everybody started getting them. I can't believe he still makes them. He does, and they're fucking delicious, August says. Definitely brought me back from the dead more than once, so thank you. (laughs) And so Subway Girl says, God, I missed that place. And August says, yeah, you ever notice that it's kind of magic? Subway Girl finishes, it's magic. August bites her lip. She doesn't do magic. But the first time they met, August thought she'd do anything this girl said. And alarmingly, that doesn't seem to be changing. Cute. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, you should stop in sometime. Like, and let me get you a free sandwich. And Jane's like, yeah, maybe. And then she does not show up. Damn. Stood up. Roasted, toasted, and ghosted. Damn. So now we get Subway Girl's name, which, you know, sorry, we spoiled it earlier, but it's Jane. Jane is Subway Girl. Jane Sue. So Jane doesn't come to Billy's, unfortunately. And so August is just like, oh, damn. I mean, like, what are the odds that I run into this person again? It's weird enough that I ran into them twice on this one particular subway. But no, turns out she runs into Jane again. So they have the same commute. How funny and convenient is that? By coincidence. Oh my God. What, is, what a wor- small fucking world. Only in New York. Ah, uh, New York, baby. Yankees. Great state in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can't talk about the Yankees. I'm in Massachusetts. They'll, they'll hang me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There is a, what is effectively a montage of all these little times over the next month that Jane and August talk, like spend time together on the subway because she's just always there when August is there. There's this whole bit, she says she learns that the Q train is a time, a place, and a person where, you know, the time is always the same time when it's August's route and Jane's route too. And 
the actual place itself, it's a place, and then the queue is the person. Monday through Friday, Jane makes friends with every person who passes through. August has seen her offer a stick of gum to a rabbi. She's watched her kneel on the dirty floor to soften up the scrappy schoolgirls with jokes. She's held her breath while Jane broke up a fight with a few quiet words and a smile. Always a smile. Always one dimple to the side of her mouth. Always the leather jacket. Always a pair of broken-in Chuck Taylors. Always dark-haired and ruinous. And there, morning and afternoon, until the sound of her low voice becomes another comforting note in the white noise of her commute. August has stopped wearing headphones. She wants to hear. Jane talks to everyone, but she never misses August. Always a few sly words or a quick joke. And August wonders if maybe somehow Jane thinks about it as much as August. If she gets off at her stop and dreams about what August is up to. Some days when she's working long hours or locked up in her room for too long, Jane is the only person who's kind to her all day. And so the cue is a person. I love that because the cue really in this book is a character. It's a character unto itself. Yes, and I freaking love that. So question for you, because mm-hmm. you mentioned Jane talking to people and offering people gum and shit. Mm-hmm. It's New York City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I would accept gum from a stranger, but she's very hot. So yeah. I'm like, would I? <laughs> I don't like gum is the thing, mm-hmm. but I feel like I would take it for Jane. Yeah. Because I'm just like, oh, you're a stranger who's offering me something that I don't know. Like, I don't know you, but you're really hot and you're a lady. (laughs) So I instantly trust you more than I would a man offering me a stick of gum. (laughs) When I was like 19 and every couple of months I would make this fucking six hour journey from Connecticut to New Jersey to like go home for a holiday or something. The most frequent thing that I would do is I would take the, I think, the 7 to the 1, and that would put me at Penn Station to take a train to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. But if during that point in my life, this hot butch was like, hey, do you want a stick of gum and to have a conversation with me? I would be like, yes, please. <laughs> Fair enough, honestly. <laughs> uh, I feel like I would accept it just because she's hot. I am but a human. <laughs> I'm not strong. <laughs> So August gets home and Mila's like, oh, hey, like you got this like big ass envelope in the mail. I think it's from your mom. And so August is like, okay, opens it up. And there's a note paper clipped to the front of this giant manila folder. I know you're busy, but I found this friend of Augie's who may have ended up in New York. Her untidy sprawl says, thought you might be able to look into it. So Augie being her uncle, her mother's brother. And so, I mean, he's August. She's August. So, I mean, her mom obviously, like, named her own daughter after her brother, who had been missing for a thousand years. It's cute and also very sad. hmm Yeah, I mean, it's cute, but if you know the details there about mm-hmm. how she's dedicated her entire life to looking for her brother and has neglected her child in the process, it's just really sad. It's really symbolic in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, her life has been consumed by this whole thing, and then her daughter's life has also been consumed by this whole thing. Yeah, God. So yeah, August is not happy to receive this envelope Mm -hmm. because she is basically sworn off doing this work for her mother because she knows that this is a pointless endeavor. She explains this to her friends, which is initially a very tough thing to explain. She says, it's my stupid dead uncle. Sorry, that sounded fucked up. I just, uh, it's kind of a sore subject. Milo is like, I didn't realize August. I'm so sorry. Were you close? And she says, no, I'm not like sad about it. 
I mean, it is sad, but he didn't die like recently. I never met him. I mean, I don't even technically know if he's dead. And she just like gets into this whole thing. Basically all the shit we told you listeners. And of course, her friends are like, well, damn, that's fucked up. (laughs) After this conversation, she talks more with Myla and she mentions Jane to Myla and how she like kind of wants to understand her music more. And so they have a session and listen to Joy Division. Do you like Joy Division? Uh, I think they're kind of mediocre. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, eh, you know. Though they did teach me that love will tear us apart. Oh, I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> like if I'm listening to like music from the 70s, I'm thinking like Zeppelin, you know? Donna Summer. Oh my God, Donna Summer. <sighs> Disco and classic rock. That's the shit I grew up on though, you know? Yeah. Specifically like Led Zeppelin though, my dad didn't start listening to Pink Floyd until like two years ago. And I was like, sir, like where have you been? <laughs> my dad's favorite band is also Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. The very dad band. <laughs> I freaking love Zeppelin. Anyway. One night at Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes, August is waiting tables and she ends up talking to this drag queen who's still in like full drag gear. It turns out that they actually live in the same building. And so they walk each other home and this drag queen, Annie Depressant, she shows August um, their building is located above a Popeye's. <laughs> Which is funny to me. Yes. And she knows somebody who works at that Popeye's and like gives him like a, a symbol. He like looks around and then leads them into the back where there's a rickety old service elevator that they can take up to the <laughs> to the sixth floor that they both live on. They talk a little bit and Annie says, feel free to say hi if you see me around. And if you see me around and I'm a guy, feel free to call me Isaiah. Also, Isaiah slash Annie's day job is as an accountant, which I think was, yeah. which I thought was so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> the most boring job. Yeah. And then it's like, but by night, I'm Annie DePresent, which also, great drag name. Oh, and Annie is in love with Wes. Oh, yeah. Oh, you moved in across the hall. So you live with Wes? Yeah, you know him? I've been in love with Wes for like 500 years. What? <laughs> Are y- y'all a thing? Oh, no, Annie says. I'm just in love with him. <laughs> Honestly, mood. (laughs) (laughs) And August is like, does he know? Oh, yeah, I've told him. And he says with a dismissive (laughs) wave of her hand, we've kissed like three times. And he has that thing where he's terrified of being loved and refuses to believe he deserves it. It's so tedious. She sees a look on August's face and laughs. I'm joking. I I mean, that is his deal. But I've never found that boy tedious. I love Annie. Great character. Great character. Great person. Again, just like a sad character who plays a bit of a role later on, Mm -hmm. but we don't see too much of her or Isaiah, and yet I love them all the same. Yeah. Like, they're my friend. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I also... I gotta say, plural energy, et cetera, et cetera, (laughs) just a little bit, but like, you know... (laughs) <laughs> whenever somebody is referred to by two different names in different situations and things and not in like a trans way even though like the trans community i'm not gonna go into it but <laughs> just tiny plural energy from from them little a plural energy as a treat as a treat as a treat me reading every book <laughs> I, I, can have, <laughs> I can have little a plural energy as a treat as a treat you've earned it <laughs> I really like this conversation that they have here where Annie says, tell Wes hi for me and that he still owes me a slice of pizza and 30 bucks. August nods and then 
Well, she's not sure what makes her ask. Maybe it's that she's starting to feel like an extra in an extremely low-budget love actually, surrounded by people loving and being loved in all their messy, unpredictable ways, and she doesn't trust or understand it. Or maybe it's that she wants to. Does it ever, like, I don't know, make you lonely to love somebody who can't meet you there? She regrets it immediately, but Annie laughs. Sometimes. But you know that feeling when you wake up in the morning and you have somebody to think about? Somewhere for hope to go? It's good. Even when it's bad, it's good. In August, well, August finds herself without a single damn thing to say to that. I freaking love that. It's really good. It's so good. Everyone in this book is pretty astute. <laughs> yeah, right? And also just like very friendly <laughs> for, for <laughs> New Yorkers. Later on, I think it's Wes who reveals that he's from Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, like I live in massachusetts but i'm on the border of rhode island i spend a lot of time in rhode island and i mean it's you live in rhode island yeah it's freaking new england and so she august was essentially like oh i thought you were like from new york because like you're kind of an asshole a little bit but you know in like that new york way and i'm just like he's from new england (laughs) like (laughs) we're assholes he's an asshole in the boston way yeah in the providence the providence way. way in the new haven hartford way oh my god that's a different breed right there. Yeah. <laughs> Pistol wave in New Haven, baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so I just thought that was really funny. I was like, girl, have you not met anyone from New England? I can't leave here. I will. No one will like me. <laughs> <laughs> she is from Louisiana. That is true. I have a friend who moved from Connecticut to Southern California, and he's like, yeah, everyone here thinks I'm an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah, that's why I can't leave. It's funny because I'll go back to New Jersey and people think I'm overly weird and friendly now. Really? Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> New Jersey just has a different culture of yeah. polite rudeness. It's so funny. I'm just like, it's within driving distance, and yet it's a whole yeah. different culture. You can get a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich there. You can't get one over here. <laughs> <laughs> Still salty. It's been over a year. Oh, so we get back to the subway. We see Jane again. And August mentions Joy Division. And Jane's like, oh, Joy Division? I don't think I've heard of them, which August thought was kind of weird because it's very much up Jane's alley. She asks if they're new. Yeah. It's like, haha, yeah, from like <laughs> like 40 years ago. <laughs> Jane wants to do a little, a fun little people watching exercise with August where she's like, oh, let's look at people and imagine what their lives are like. <laughs> and August goes full fucking like Sherlock Nancy Drew. And I was is thinking, like, um, psych. Yeah. <laughs> Where, well, she's like, those two? Well, I've never seen them before, so maybe they don't usually take our train. They're both wearing wedding bands, and she's got their bags under her feet, so I'm guessing they're married. They commute together, so maybe they work at the same place. Maybe they met there. Oh, the cuffs of his shirt sleeves are damp. Somebody forgot to put the laundry in the dryer last night. That's why they're not on their usual train. They're running late. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. So Jane's like, Jesus Christ, like, that's kind of impressive. Jane was like, oh, like, try to read me. And August says, oh, my God, no, I can't do that. But also, I've been mentally keeping notes since I met yeah. you because I'm in love with you. It's big, like, oh, don't make me sing energy. <laughs> me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she, like, does a pretty accurate read on her with the exception of like one little detail i think but jane is still very mysterious and doesn't ever really outright confirm any details i can neither confirm nor deny yeah because august guessed that she worked in food service in some way and jane says no that she doesn't 
And so August asks her, well, what do you do? And Jane says, guess. So it's like, you know, <laughs> like never answering questions and stuff, just always has an air of mystery about her, which like, damn, maybe I should do that. Maybe it's just, you know, have that little, I just won't say anything to anyone. That's why I got multiple personalities. Oh, there we go. Nothing more <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> So the subway stops and the lights go out for a second, then the emergency lights come on. And Jane decides to, uh, if it were anyone else, I would say the absolutely psychotic move of, <laughs> of taking out her cassette player and using it as a stereo to play Run DMC. But on Jane, it's hot. Anything Jane does is hot because she's hot. Exactly. She has a little hip-hop dance party in the train. Whenever I see anybody dancing on the subway, I just get so uncomfortable. I'm like, please do not look at me. Do not do flips near me. Like, <laughs> I do not wish to be perceived. I'm not going to give you money. Leave me alone, please. So I'd probably hate this. I'd be like, oh, like, she's hot, but also she's fucking nuts. But if it was the whole car, at least grooving along. All right, well, that's fine then. There's also this really... Honestly, steamy description of Jane. This was actually the description that made me go like, wow, out loud. August is describing Jane like singing and dancing around. It's possible August thinks that it's not only New York catastrophe delirium making this happen. It's possible it's Jane. Irresistible and blazing, her shoulders narrow but sturdy under her leather jacket. Cassette players swinging from her belt as she rocks her hips. Even the emergency lights seem to glow brighter. Jane is lightning on long legs. The dark never stood a chance. Love that. I absolutely love lightning on long legs. I wish I bookmarked this one description where they talk about like brown eyes and the way they described it was fucking beautiful. Oh, it's literally in chapter one. Her eyes are bright and teasing and warm, warm forever and ever brown. Like, I'm like, oh, that's so nice. I, I like, like that's just cute. And August doesn't know how she could possibly do anything but whatever this girl says. Anyway, okay, back to where, <laughs> back to, the, <laughs> to where we were. Uh, now that that mystery has been solved. Case closed. Case closed. Also, I gotta say, about her mother, she has apparently, along the line of trying to figure out what happened to her brother, closed two other cold cases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's not like she has been doing nothing, I suppose. That's nice for those families, but also it has destroyed her own. Mm -hmm. Back to the subway. So they're like dancing and shit. And so they have like kind of a moment. And August, you know, kind of musters up her courage and asks her if she wants to get a drink. She says, I don't know about you, but I could use a drink. There's a pretty cool dive bar right by my stop if uh, you're not doing anything. And Jane stares at her like she's trying to work out if August really asked what she thinks she did. Oh, she says finally. August can hear the wince in her tone before she even says the next part. I don't think I can. Oh, I, I mean, that sounds nice, but I can't. No, it's totally okay. I was, um, I didn't mean, uh, don't worry about it. I'm sorry, Jane says. She looks like she means it. August is saved by the creak of the brakes as they pull into a station. Before Jane can say anything else, she's gone. And then August is like, I can never go on the Q train ever again. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, is this, the, this is what, the second time that she's asked her to hang out? Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm obviously some kind of weird creep. Yeah. She's like, okay, like, you know, once is okay, you know, whatever. But like, to be rejected twice? She's <laughs> like, I can't ever go back. Which, God, fucking mood. August can never take the Q again. She can't believe she asked Jane out. Jane. Jane of the effortless smiles and subway dance parties, who was probably a fucking poet or like a motorcycle mechanic. 
She probably went home that night and sat at a bar with her equally hot motorcycle poet friends and talked about how funny it was that this weird girl on her train asked her out and then went to bed with her even hotter girlfriend and had nice, satisfying, unclumsy sex with someone who isn't a depressed 23-year-old virgin. (laughs) They'll get up in the morning and make their cool and sexy sex-haver toast and drink their well-adjusted coffee and move on with their lives. And eventually, after enough weeks of August avoiding the queue, Jane will forget all about her. (laughs) I fucking love August. (laughs) Whenever my boyfriend is here, I usually make us a breakfast of sex-haver toast. Ah, yes. Along with girlfriend coffee. Now, how does how does that differ from regular toast from from celibate toast, <laughs> <laughs> or They're or too- incel toast? Even. <laughs> Wait, I I'm sure I have something here. <laughs> incel toast can never get wet. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say something about nuts. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say you ejaculate onto it. I was also gonna say that was my first thought. I was like, what has come in it? The other doesn't. <laughs> So Algus is in a mood and her roommates pick up on it. And so Nico says, what's up with you? Who hurt your feelings? <laughs> Living with a psychic is a pain in the ass. It's ugh, it's so stupid. Myla frowns. Who do we need to frame for murder? Nobody, August says. It's, did you hear how the queue shut down for a few hours the other day? Well, I was on it and there was this girl and I thought we had like a moment. Oh, shit, really, Myla says? That's a Kate Winslet movie, trapped in a survival scenario. Did you have to huddle naked for warmth? Are you bonded for life by trauma now? So August says, I thought we were having a moment, so I asked her out for a drink, and she turned me down. So I'm just going to figure out a new commute and hopefully never see her again and forget this ever happened. Turned you down, as in, Myla asks, as in, she said no. But in what way, Nico asks. She said, sorry, but can't. Myla tuts. So not that she's not interested, but like she can't, that could mean anything. So they're trying to, you know, (laughs) comfort their friend here. (laughs) Also in the ensuing nice stir fry dinner that they have and watching House Hunters, August is unflatteringly laughing at something and Nico takes out a Polaroid camera and takes a picture of her and adds it to the fridge with Polaroids of everyone else in the house. So Which is very cute. Like she's a part of the family now. Yeah. I love that. Again, we've like mentioned her like never feeling she belongs and always being othered, especially because other people knew that her mom was eccentric, we'll say. Yeah. The first time we see her being accepted is when she's telling Myla about, you know, her past and then the search for her uncle and everything. And Myla essentially says she doesn't care, but not in the way where I'm just like, where I obviously think it's weird, where I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I don't care. But more like, oh, like, I don't care. That's just another thing about you, you know? And so August picks up on that where it's like, oh, this person says they don't care. And it's, they genuinely just see this as just part of who I am as a person. They don't see it as this weird thing about me that I have to feel shameful about. I love this found family stuff. Yeah. Found family is so important in this book. Oh my God. It's so good. I love, I love me a found family. Yeah. It's because we're both gay millennials. There you go. (laughs) A couple of days later at work, August ends up near the back office and she sees this photo of Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes at its opening day, June 7th, 1976. And she takes a look at the photo and does a fucking double take because Jane is in that photo as if it is the end of The Shining. Also confirmed, Jerry was a babe at 25. Yeah. That's that's more important here, let's be real. (laughs) 
So August runs home and she gets out her conspiracy board and <laughs> does some searches to see if she can find anything about Jane and nothing turns up. She immediately begins, like, basically after she runs out of every other possibility, she straight up is like, is Jane a vampire? Because <laughs> she, she, the same night that she met Annie Depressant, there are these, like, four leather trench coat wearing guys who are, like, vampire BDSM people. And she was like, I thought that was fake, but what if it's real? And so she goes down to the bar where Nico works, and she's like, hi, Nico, how are you? Are vampires real? <laughs> very twilight which i think they actually do mention twilight. yeah they do yeah <laughs> say it out loud how old are you 24 how long have you been 24 a while <laughs> <laughs> if she's going to have to say this out loud isn't she bella swan eat your horny little mormon heart out <laughs> wow this is by far has the most popular highlights of any book we have seen guess how many highlights that has uh, 312, I don't know. 891. Holy moly. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, so Nico's like, no, she's probably not a vampire, but she might be a ghost. <laughs> they basically, after some deliberation, decide to have a seance to see if they can, they can <laughs> summon Jane. So they gather up August... Nico leads it, Mila is there, Wes, and then while they're like about to start it, Isaiah, aka antidepressant, shows up and <laughs> he's like, What are you what are you guys doing? <laughs> and they're like, I'm oh. just imagining like Kramer walking in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Mila is like, Oh, we're having a, a seance for August's dead girlfriend. <laughs> And Isaiah's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll join that. Plus one. <laughs> so they do the seance and Nico's like, uh, no, she's not on the other side. So she's not a ghost, I guess. Or at least she's not a ghost that is crossed over. Is this where they decide that Nico needs to meet her? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So as as he just said, August brings Nico down to the queue and introduces him to Jane. When August introduced Nico, there's like a bit and then Nico's like, oh, yeah, we're here to go and see my girlfriend in Manhattan, which is a lie. But Jane <laughs> seems to like very slightly lighten up knowing that this is not August's boyfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> August is expecting him to say, have you ever walked through a wall? Do you have any unfinished business in the realm of the living? Like maybe a tragic unsolved murder or a loved one who <laughs> needs to give all the workers at the factory Christmas off. Do you happen to see horned creatures when you close your eyes? But no, Nico actually plays it very cool. And then after they get off, Nico's like, oh, she's something. Very like nonchalant too, where she was like, okay, well, like what read did you get on her? And he was like, well, she's not a ghost. Like she's corporeal. <laughs> and <laughs> so August is just like, tell me more. And Nico's just like, oh, let's get food or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He says... <laughs> She's alive, but also not. I don't think she's dead. She's sort of in between. Not here, not on the other side. She feels really distant, like not totally rooted here now. Except for when she touched you, then she felt super here, which is interesting. And then he suggests tacos. But then August is immediately like, I need to run a science experiment. Hang on. <laughs> and so she she runs over to the Q train that is like just coming in. And it's coming in in the opposite direction of the train Jane just left on. Because it occurs to her that she has never not seen Jane on the Q. Like she is always there when she is there. And so she's like, if I get on this train, Jane is on it. That means something fucked up is going on because it is physically impossible for her to 
within one minute to go from one train going the opposite direction to be on the other train going the 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 opposite direction. Yeah. She gets onto that new train and lo and behold, Jane is there. And she's like, oh, my God, <laughs> a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, didn't expect to see you back so soon. <laughs> Yeah, she was like, when I said not to be a stranger, I didn't think you'd be back quite so soon. <laughs> then August uncomfortably confronts her with the truth. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, hey, how old are you, Jane? And Jane's like 24. Thumbs up. How long have you been 24? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, what year were you born? And Jane's like, uh, why are you asking? <laughs> and <laughs> she's like, well, okay, so I'm like, so if you're 24, that's 1995. I was born in 1996. I'm 23. You should be, have been born in 1995. And she's like, that's cute. You're fucking with me. You were not born in 1995, which is, you know, <laughs> what, 20, 20 years into the future? Yeah. It's very clear that Jane is immediately distressed by this. She shows Jane the uh, the picture of her at Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes opening day. And she's like, this photo was taken in 1976. And Jane's like, that sounds about right. And she looks at the photo and she says, I moved here a couple of years ago, probably 75. You know, as far back as I can remember, I worked at Billy's in 1976. And that's the last thing I remember. I only know because you reminded me you brought that back, I guess something's wrong with me. And August's like, yeah, it's been 45 years about, which is some news to give to someone. Yeah, and she just says, that's a long fucking time, huh? <laughs> I mean, how the fuck would you react? Okay, so if I was on the subway train, I was like, god damn, I think I've been on the subway train for like a month. I, I don't know if I can really get off. And somebody came up and was like, Claudia, you've been on this subway, <laughs> you've been on this subway train for 45 years it is oh 2067. God. I would be oh. like, uh, how is global warming? Yeah, right. <laughs> so she basically remembers nothing from before the train. And she only knows that her name is Jane Sue because it is sewn into the back of her jacket, which is very cute. But also really fucking yeah, sad. She's like, I don't actually know who I am. Depressing. Oh, and this is when they start their little science experiment. Mm, yeah. Another, another science experiment. <laughs> August tries to see if Jane can actually get off the train. And so Jane tries jumping off at every single stop <laughs> only to like not be able to get off the train. It's a really boring and tedious exercise for Jane. <laughs> God, could you imagine like just having to go down this whole entire route? Yeah. Just to, <laughs> <laughs> just to test this out. know what you already knew. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's a science experiment worth doing, I suppose. Mm hmm. She's hot. I would do it for her. Mm. Get you a girl who do science for you. The dream. Come here. Oh, she asked Jerry about her. Oh, yeah. And Jerry's like, I was drunk through a lot of the 70s. I don't remember yeah. anything. I was what you might call an alcoholic at the time. I'm lucky I can remember what goes in the sandwich at all. <laughs> the Sue special being the sandwich. Yes. They start trying to get back Jane's memories through like little steps. Where August is like, okay, you theoretically have been in New York for like a year or two at least, you know, when you lost your memory. You obviously have a bagel and coffee order if you're in New York. <laughs> Over the course of five days, she brings a different coffee and bagel order every day, which also sounds like a very tedious process, but at least you get a meal from it. Yeah, right. What's your coffee and bagel order? My bagel order was very severely dissed later on. <gasps> because I love a cinnamon raisin bagel. 
Okay. I have heard it is very goyish of me, but you know what? Sometimes <laughs> it's good. And I don't drink coffee. I'm very much like Jane, who eats a chocolate chip and peanut butter bagel and takes her coffee with five sugars and two creams. Okay. Back when I was a manager, a couple times a week, I would get the morning staff coffee. Mm -hmm. And so I knew everybody's coffee order by heart. Let me tell you. So one of the people, his coffee order was a medium hot coffee, half a cup of cream, and five sugars. (laughs) Honestly, man. Half a cup. That's like 12 pumps of cream. Honestly, whenever I drink coffee in like the rare occasions where I need some kind of caffeine, I usually do basically half creamer and the oh rest God. coffee. I'd be shitting my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> but also, oh no, that's far too sweet for me. What's your coffee and bagel? When I go to Dunkin', because I mean, Massachusetts, there's one every four and a half feet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I ask for hot black coffee. And if I want it a little colder so I can drink it, a splash of almond milk. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I, I just get it black. I'm not a real bagel person. Mm-hmm. But if I do get a bagel, I like a French toast bagel mm. with plain cream cheese. Nice. Yeah. I like my bagels typically plain (laughs) or cinnamon raisin bagels mostly plain sometimes cream cheese sometimes butter butter is also good uh sometimes a little sunflower seed butter Ooh, Mm -hmm. i'm allergic to peanuts so i can't have peanut butter yeah but um yeah just just sometimes yeah so they give her five bagels until they find out that her bagel order is chocolate chip and peanut butter which uh, that sounds horrible i love peanut butter and i like chocolate I like peanut butter more. I'm going to say that actually sounds good if it's sunflower seed butter and it will not uh, kill me. You can enjoy it, but only once. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even enjoy it that once. If peanut butter like touches my tongue, I immediately start getting itchy. Oh my God. I'm itchy just thinking about being itchy. Yeah. (laughs) August says about the bagel order. Jesus, August says as Jane Downs half of it in one bite like a boa constrictor. Every New Yorker in a 30-mile radius just became irate and they don't know why. And Jane says, yeah, the guy at the deli always looks so disgusted. (laughs) August says, at that point, why not eat a donut? Less filling, she says through a mouthful. And uh, that's how they discover Jane's incorrigible sweet tooth. Oh my god. It's so cute. Like, I have a bit of a sweet tooth, but a coffee with two creams and five sugars sounds horrible. Jane and I are kindred spirits, man. (laughs) We're both showing up in our leather jackets with with a, a bag of gummy bears. <laughs> Through this, they basically discover that Jane's being able to retrieve memory is connected to senses. So August starts bringing her random food and drink to try and get any sort of memory back. And then they switch over to music. Yeah. Because, I mean, Jane was always walking around with her cassette player anyway, so they correctly assume that music would definitely help trigger some memories. Mm-hmm. Oh, and August gives Jane her burner phone and teaches her how to use it. Yeah. And so they're they're able to text back and forth now, which is cute. She tells August all sorts of past memories, a lot about girls that she used to be briefly in love with. And August is like a little, like, oh, you were in love with other girls. <laughs> <laughs> August has several notebooks where she keeps Jane information. Like she'll take these notes in front of her and in the back of one, she has like a little tally mark for every girl that Jane mentions. <laughs> Which like Jane's hot. Of course yeah. she's gotten around. Yeah. Well, Bless you her know. soul. Me next. <laughs> Jane, hit me up. 
They almost never talk about 2020 and why it's like above ground. Not yet. August can't tell if she wants to know. <laughs> Jane doesn't ask. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. One really interesting thing. We get this really cool cross section of queer history where Jane was very like politically active in the gay scene in the mid to late 70s. She says, um, it's not like Jane doesn't have enough to deal with. Basically, August is hesitant to introduce her friends to Jane because Jane is clearly going through a lot as is. Recently being informed that she's a scientific anomaly trapped 45 years in the future with no memory of how she got there and all. She's still getting used to the idea that she's not going to get arrested for being gay in public, which was a whole three-day emotional roller coaster. August is trying to take it easy on her. I was just like, yeah, wow. Not that long ago. Yeah. We've come far. Also, I have a meanie line in here. Myla says about Jane and August, she says, August, I love you very much and I want you to be happy. I'm very confident that you and this girl are like fated by the universe to finger blast each other until you both die. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love Myla. Yeah. When Myla meets Jane, the first words out of her mouth are, hi, wow, I'm Myla, huge fan, love your work. <laughs> <laughs> freaking love her oh and also they're talking about food with jane in that same meeting and myla's like whoa you can eat <laughs> yeah <laughs> also like myla throughout the whole book is always like referring to jane as a august dead girlfriend yeah, or as like a ghost. <laughs> as a ghost like it's always something along the lines of her being dead and so nico especially is always like she's not a ghost <laughs> <laughs> Which I just think is very cute. Also, while we're talking about Nico and, and Myla, Nico is trans, we find out somewhere in <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. August is looking through some uh, photos that are around the house. A tiny Myla and her brother swaddled in towels next to a sign announcing the beach in Chinese. Two parents draped in shawls and sun hats. And a photo of a child August can't quite place. Long hair topped with a pink bow, pouting in a Cinderella dress as Disney World glows in the background. Who's this? August asks. Nico follows her finger and smiles softly. Oh, that's me. August looks at him, his sharp eyebrows and steady presence in slim-cut jeans, and well, she did wonder. She's habitually observant, though she... <laughs> me an empath. <laughs> um, she's habitually observant, though she does try to never assume with things like this. But an aggressive kind of warmth rushes into her, and she smiles back. Oh, cool. That makes him laugh, hoarse and warm, and he pats August on the shoulder before wandering off to poke at the plant in the corner next to Judy. Uh, Judy is another plant. <laughs> it's funny. That's one big thing out of the way between the four of them. But it's also a small thing. It makes a difference, but it also makes no difference at all. And it's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. That's it. I like that there is a trans character and there is, like, discussion of him being trans. Yes. But I think he's he's more notably psychic than he is notably trans. <laughs> I was just about to say where it's like also his only character trait is not just being trans. Yeah. Like he's also he's mostly a psychic. He's nosy as hell and trans. <laughs> Unwillingly nosy as hell in some ways. Well, because he's like he's um he's some kind of Latino, isn't he? He is. He's Puerto Rican. Yes. Oh, what's, so the, what's that word you use all the time? She's Chismosa. <laughs> So he's a cheese muscle, but it's, it's, it's part of the culture. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why. Uh, oh, also, I gotta say, Myla is also funny because Myla, Myla is white, right? And she's she was adopted by Chinese parents. No, she's black. She's black and was adopted by Chinese. I'm didn't pretty know that. sure. Hang on. 
Hang on, let's go to chapter one. Yeah, it's literally at the beginning, because I think they said something about, like, her dark skin or whatever. You know, they give a description, and then 400 pages later, I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty black girl, yeah. I, okay, I was yeah. not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> when I thought she was white, I was going to say it's kind of a funny, weird inversion, because normally it's, like, oh. white parents adopting a Chinese girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite, but this is still, that's also still kind of a fun inversion. Anyway. Yeah. I freaking love her. <laughs> yeah, Milo's great. Oh yeah, and later on at a party, August starts kind of wondering about Nico's psychic stuff. And in the line that honestly made me actually laugh out loud, <laughs> Nico is a psychic. She's friends with the whole psychic and she believes him. Can I ask you a personal question? August says to him once the group dissolves, hearing her voice come out sloppy. She's drunk. Ask away. When did you know that I was trans? August blinks at him. No, that you were a psychic. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh yeah normally when people ask me personal questions it's always about being trans but the answer to both is that i always knew i also really like this so basically august is thinking that she can't imagine always knowing something huge about herself and never questioning it and so nico says yeah i knew i was a boy and i knew my sister was a girl and i knew that the people who lived in our house before us had gotten a divorce because the wife was having an affair and that was it <laughs> <laughs> is his sister also trans then oh i don't know Something specifically about, like, I knew that I was a boy and my sister was a girl. Oh, see, I I interpret it more as a way as, like, oh, we like we were born with, like, the same parts, but I am a boy and, like, yeah. you're a girl. That's what I thought initially, but yeah. now now I'm, like, some that just clicked for me as an idea. But anyway. I'm going to pretend they're both trans. Yeah. That made me laugh. And then he says, I don't even remember coming out to my parents or telling them I could see things they couldn't. It was just always what it was and then they talk about his family being kind of catholic the whole psychic thing my mom always called it my gift from god so they believed me about being a boy because it's like all right he's psychic and he's not lying so he's also no a boy. <laughs> yeah okay nicole can i ask you a personal question okay when did you realize that you were a cheese <laughs> uh, oh when god. did you realize you were bisexual oh or whatever you consider yourself to be are you bi pan not choosy. Okay. I mean, I feel like the bi pan line is like very blurred. Yeah, it's whatever you feel. Yeah, I just say bi because I like the colors of the flag more. Yeah. <laughs> Purely for aesthetic reasons. Oh, I don't even know when I like realize I, I don't know, because like looking back, I'm just like, oh, like, how did I not know? Yeah. And also, how did like everyone else know before me? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I remember as a kid, I mean, rewinding Aladdin a bunch of times to see Jasmine in the red outfit. And uh, I was like, oh, she's so pretty. <laughs> um, so as a child, like a couple of things like that, where I'm just like, how did I, how did I not know? I honestly think somebody, a, a celebrity who like really contributed to me realizing is Kaylani. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm like, this person is so hot. Like they're, oh my God. She is hot. And th this was a couple, I want to say this was like 2017, 2016. I don't know. Cause it's like, it's only like fairly recently that I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm by. Mm -hmm. I went out with our, two of our friends. Mm hmm. I was a little drunk and I was like, I kind of want to kiss girls. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, okay, like, yeah. I'm like, no, but like, like, I really want to kiss girls. <laughs> so I think that was like a, a turning point right there. <laughs> I, I think I said, I was like, I think it might be bye. <laughs> yeah. That's but, cute. I don't know, it was, so it was a bunch of little things like that, little moments where I'm just like, hmm, I'm having these feelings. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. 
I think I realized I was trans. Well, it's really confusing because like I definitely remember age like 13 through probably 17 where occasionally I'd be like, I wish I was a girl for this arbitrary reason that definitely I'm not (laughs) thinking more about because I've got a lot more shit going on at this time. But I think it really started to click when I started like meeting other trans people on Tumblr in like my freshman year of college. So like when you and I met, I was only like freshly cracked, basically. Yeah. My my egg, that is. There's all egg. <laughs> Cause I was with this girlfriend when I was starting to realize this, and I was kind of like trying out some cross dressing as a fun joke, haha. I remember like pictures from that night. Yeah. They're good pictures. They still hold up. Yes. But I remember I I tried on this outfit for this thing and I showed this girlfriend. I was like, what do you think? And she had this this look on her face of like disappointment almost. Oh. And she said, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. Oh, fuck her. Yeah. And so I was like, cool, I'm just going to shove that deep down for (laughs) a while. And then the week that we broke up, I went to Goodwill and bought like five dresses Hell yeah. And also she turned out to be a lesbian anyway, so I don't know what <laughs> what her deal was. <laughs> Maybe it made her feel some type of way and she's like, I don't like that I'm feeling some type of way. Yeah. Also, she's fucking non-binary now. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, cool. To a degree, I kind of wish that I was still talking to you so I could be like, kind of makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Jane and August start connecting over music, and Jane starts requesting songs on the radio because August gets her this, this like, portable radio. Every once in a while, Jane will text her and be like, hey, tune in, tune in to 90.9, <laughs> which is apparently a station that will play just literally anything. <laughs> yeah, apparently, right? You're like, old, new, as long as it's good. I thought it was so funny, like, just seeing all the songs that they requested for each other. And I'm like, what is the station? <laughs> What's exactly. happening? One time she requests a song and she's like, today I remembered that I dated a girl in Spanish Harlem who liked to get head to this album, XOXO Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and August has a minor heart attack. What a thing to say to somebody. Yeah. I also love that Jane like writes her texts like a letter. Oh, right. I love that. Hi, body. Love Jane. <laughs> August has told her, like, you don't need to do a sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> she does it anyway. It's her flair. Yeah. It's raining. And uh, August comes in just drenched in rain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane just says, like, something about the way, like, her hair is, like, super wet and, like, she's just soaking. It is reminding her of something. It's reminding her of a kiss. And so then they're like, well, let's let's kiss for, for science. Yeah. <laughs> Jane outright says, I should kiss you. Yeah, which, who? But also, it's for science. This is strictly professional. Don't worry about it, dude. <laughs> it's for science. It's purely experimental. You love to experiment with your girlfriends. <laughs> exactly. Not your girlfriends, <laughs> your girlfriends. Just your friend who is a girl who is trapped on the subway. Yeah. Kiss her. Who also likes girls. Yeah. And has been spending a lot of time with you. You're just trying it out so that she can get her memory back. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, it's like, like if I, if you ask me to pick you up from the airport. <laughs> exactly. <It's>, you know. <laughs> Nicole, I know deep in my heart that if you or I had amnesia, the other would definitely kiss the other for science. 
to oh, get that absolutely. memory back. For science. For science. For science. They have a very, a very steamy kiss, to be honest. Oh my god, yes. So I got to this part while listening to the audiobook, mm-hmm. and I was just walking around Christmas tree shops, like, <laughs> oh my god. And then the eventual sex scene, I got to, where was I? This was, let's see, because I was Christmas tree shop one day. I was at the grocery store when I had the sex scene. <laughs> yeah i was at the grocery store too hey. yeah i was because i was at the little local grocery store so i was like oh like let me get this little audiobook in i'm like fucking sweating and i was like oh my god like it is eight in the morning <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm sweating over here what were we talking about the kiss <laughs> the kiss yes so jane likes to be bitten and she likes her hair yeah pulled. she does yeah, she does. Whew, Great Jane, qualities. Please call me. Yes. My number's 203. <laughs> she pushes her fingers into Jane's short hair, scraping her nails across the scalp before she closes them on a fistful and tugs. Like that? Jane releases a short breath. Harder. August does as she's told, and Jane makes another sound, one deep in her throat, which August assumes is a good sign. Now, Jane says, she's looking at August's mouth, eyes dark as the pit at a punk show. When I kiss you, bite. And before August can ask what that means, Jane closes the space between them. The kiss is different this time, hotter somehow, even though it's not real. It's not real. Don't worry about it, dude. (laughs) It's not real, August recites in her head as she tries to pretend there's absolutely anything academic about the way her mouth drops open at the press of Jane's lips. Anything scientifically impartial about the way she pulls harder at Jane's hair and sinks into it, letting Jane drink her in hot. So that was their second kiss. Oh, that was their second kiss? Fuck. Yeah. The first kiss right before that. Wait, the other day when we kissed. Oh, so that was their third kiss. What? Jesus Christ. Yeah, they do kiss several times in a row because, oh yeah, because August finds out that the queue is shutting down for maintenance in September. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. And so basically, like, they need to figure out what's going on before then. Mm. During the week that August was avoiding the queue because she didn't want to see Jane after asking her out, (laughs) Jane's memory went, like, all fuzzy again and weird, and she was kind of untethered. Okay, uh, okay, August says, for research. For research, Jane agrees. August squares her shoulders. For research. (laughs) What should I do? Can you touch me? Jane takes one of August's hands and holds it to her chest, right below the hard line of her collarbone. Right here? Okay, August says, more of a shaky exhale than a word. Then what? Jane's leaning in, taking advantage of her height to bracket August in, burning so hot that August can't make sense of the chill sweeping up her spine. So steady and beautiful and close, too close, never close enough, and August is so completely, irreversibly, spectacularly screwed. I did really enjoy that bit. Like, oh my god. And then Jane kisses her. So that was that wasn't even the kiss itself. It was right with preamble. <laughs> My God, and that was it was so good. The kiss actually brings back the memory of kissing another girl in the rain. And that gets her to remember that for a while she lived in New Orleans, where August is from. What are the odds? What a quinky dink. What a quinky dink. Never tell me the quinky dinks. So okay, so that was the first kiss. Mm. And then we get to the second kiss. What does the second kiss bring up? Does it say? So the second kiss is literally right before the third kiss. There are two kisses in a row. In rapid succession. Yeah. (laughs) Because we can count them at this point. It's just like (laughs) on one hand, three kisses. They're like, okay, let's do some research again. And so August says, tell me what to do. A beat. 
Jane looks up at her, brow furrowed. Then her face smooths out, and a smile plays at the corner of her mouth, the one with the dimple. Okay, she says, and she spreads her legs apart a few inches, gesturing loosely for August to sit. Get down here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shit. August supposes she did ask for it. August settles herself on one of Jane's thighs and tucks her legs between them, her feet skimming the floor between Jane's sneakers. If she's being honest, she's imagined more than once, more than a few times, what Jane's thighs feel like. They're strong and firm, sturdier than they look, but August doesn't have a chance to feel anything about it before Jane's fingertips are nudging her gin to look up at her. I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> so good. Oh, it's so good. Also, also, I have my own stupid joke here. Jane moved to New York February of 1975, and so it becomes another thing they do. The food and the songs and the old articles and now the kisses. There are certain crucial bits of information they still don't have, like Jane's childhood or her infuriatingly elusive birth certificate. And I wrote, release her long-form birth certificate. What <laughs> <laughs> a stupid period of American history. Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, that's all of American history, let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we had like a good year or two at some point. <laughs> My first thought after you said that was September 12th, 2001. <laughs> When everyone's like, oh my god, like everyone, like we're, we're we have reunited as a country, we all love each other. And it's just like, cool, any brown person is now being attacked by a million white people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. So it's like, maybe peaceful for you, but <laughs> not for everyone. <laughs> August learns all of these things about Jane from kissing her. But she also learns that Jane likes to be kissed in every kind of way. Like a secret, like a fist fight, like candy, like a house fire. She learns Jane can make her sigh and forget her own name until it all blurs together, past and present. The two of them on Manhattan balconies and in damp New Orleans bar rooms and the candy aisle of a convenience store in Los Angeles. Jane's kissed a girl in every corner of the country, and pretty soon, August feels like she has to. For research. For research. It's strictly professional. Is scientific. I'm writing a manuscript as we speak. There is literally nothing more happening here. Stop reading into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we also find out here that Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes is closing. No! Because the landlord is fucking illegally doubling the rent. In New York City, you can only raise the rent by like 5% per year without something, something, at least, mm -hmm. I'm not a lawyer. I just work here. Uh, can you imagine if your rent was fucking doubled i wouldn't be able to live here oh yeah for sure i have to leave right away <laughs> insane and so the only option they really have is billy can buy the location from the landlord the landlord wants a hundred thousand dollars and no bank will give billy a loan for some reason for a space that could fit like a restaurant in New York City, $100,000. It feels really cheap. Yeah. I'd expect like three mil. Yeah. But whatever, sure. It seems, you know, it's a reasonable amount, I suppose. I guess so. Maybe maybe the landlord is like, this place sucks anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. Because if he were to double the rent, then nobody would rent it. So he might as well just sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Oh, also, at one point, Jane friend zones her very briefly. <laughs> no, you're right, Jane agrees. We're definitely not strangers. I guess you're my best friend, huh? The train eases to, into another station. Something clenches in the vicinity of August's jaw. Friend. Yeah. August says, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, they're both like crazy about each other. I guess Jane is trying oh to God. play it cool because she's not sure if August like wants this or not. Yeah, and August is doing the same exact thing. Well, not really playing it cool, but like <laughs> <laughs> she's she doesn't think that Jane's yeah. into her. So they go to a drag event, which then bleeds into a night of partying. The entire time, August has Jane like on speaker. So she's at the party, but not really at the party. It's really cute. Yeah. And it turns out that her her birthday is coming soon. And so Isaiah is like, oh, my God, like, let's throw you a party. And then Jane's like, well, I can't really leave. And so he's like, well, I'll take the party to you. Let's go. He's like, everyone put your beverages in an unmarked container, <laughs> which I fucking snorted. It was very funny. Very good. And so they all make their way to the the subway, like music and all, truly a party. It's so cute. And so they fucking party on the, on the train. Jane looks around at the dozens of people on the train, painted nails and shrieks of laughter up and down her quiet night, and it's August, not Isaiah, she looks at when she grins and says, thank you. Someone places a plastic crown on Jane's head, and someone else presses a cup into her hand, and she rides on into the night, beaming and proud as a war hero. August decides to kiss Jane just to kiss and not for science. What? I know, unthinkable. I didn't see this coming. I mean, their relationship thus far has been very professional. Purely so, platonic. They're best friends yeah, who kissed for science. Exactly. They're just roommates. <laughs> I like this bit. August is warm and Jane is beautiful, steady and improbable and unlike anyone August has ever met in her life, which I think is just nice. And so they kiss. And because August has actually been eating some like candy that's being passed around, Jane like pulls back from the kiss and she says, your lips taste like peanuts and sesame paste. And then she says... Oh, it's Biu. Who's Biu? Jane lowers her hand slowly and says, I am. Jane remembers what her parents named her as Biu Sue, or Sue Biu, depending on what if you anglicize it or not. She's the oldest, her sisters and her, they used to eat all the f- uh, oh, Fa Song Tong? Tong? Fa Song Tong, I think is how it's pronounced. I, the, the audiobook reader did a good job, and I probably just butchered that. <laughs> We used to eat all of it before the New Year party was even over, so my dad would hide them on top of the fridge in a sewing tin, but I always knew where it was, and he always knew when I stole some because he would catch me smelling like like peanuts. She gives August both her parents' names and her sisters' names and, like, everything about her because she suddenly remembers everything. That hit, like, such a core memory that it unlocked basically everything. That's what happens when you kiss with emotion and it's not true. just for science exactly think of all the good stuff they could have been getting this whole time if they were just gay yeah no but they were just gal pals <laughs> having an experiment <laughs> it's true yeah but now look at them how far they've come they're gay now <laughs> <laughs> only now <laughs> uh so yeah we find out that jane was born subiu in San Francisco in, like, I think it's 1953, May 28th, 1953, which actually makes makes her exactly 40 years older than Mads, which Whoa. I found very funny. Yeah. Because Mads is May 28th, 93. Ah. My parents, they wanted me to take over the restaurant. My dad taught me how to cook, and I loved it, but I didn't want to be tied down. I mean, I was sneaking out at night to see girls, and my parents wired me to care about balancing the books. 
I don't even think I fully knew I was gay yet. I was just different. And my dad and I would fight and my mom would cry and I felt like shit all the time. I couldn't make them happy. And I thought running away would be better than letting them down. And so in summer of 71, when she was 18, she left with this uh, punk band that her father allowed to play at, at their restaurant. She went to LA and she worked for a fishmonger for a while. And then she went to Pittsburgh and Cleveland, Des Moines, Philly, Houston. And in 72, she ended up in New Orleans. Quote, New Orleans is blurry, but August sinks sets because it meant more. For Jane, the most important memories are either razor sharp, technicolor, or pixelated and muted, like they're too much to hold in her head. And boy, if that's not a mood. Jane doesn't exactly give plural energy, but like, mm -hmm. the memory recovery gives big plural energy. Yeah. And then something happened in New Orleans, and she moved to New York. At some point, she was working at a bar called Drunk Jane's. She remembered meeting lesbians in grungy bars. The girl spent her first month watching her across the bar, daring one another to talk to her until one asked her on a date and confessed they'd been calling her Drunk Jane because nobody had the nerve to ask her <laughs> her name. Every lesbian in the neighborhood had a nickname. Birdie, Nucci, T-Bev, Natty Light, a million hilarious names born from a million messy stories. She used to joke that they sounded like a band of pirates. She considered herself lucky, really, that the name that stuck on her was Drunk Jane, and that over the months it became one word. Jane. And so when she was in New York, she just started going by Jane. I really love that story. It feels very natural. Yeah. God, the writing is so fucking good. Yeah. In high school, my nickname in the theater club was Jimmy, because the first play that I did in that school, I played a character named Jimmy. And I was very quiet. So apparently very few people actually knew my name. <laughs> and several people actually thought that my name was Jimmy. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's, that's something. Jimmy. <laughs> I bet if, if Oak was fronting and you just said that, he would probably respond. Either him or, or Robin would respond. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. Oh, also Jane ended up living with or being like very close friends with a lot of different queer people a lot across a lot of different cities. Yeah. She remembers curling up on twin mattresses with girls who were working nights to save up for the big operation, pushing their curls behind their ears and cooking them congee for breakfast. Which, I just love the acknowledgement that there was GRS in the 70s, because there was. Yeah. There have been forms of trans bottom surgery for, like, 70 years at least. Wow. Mm-hmm. I feel like nobody does found family quite like queer people. It's true, because it's all we have. Yeah. I mean, so seeing that alone, I feel like, is very heartwarming. Mm -hmm. And then just also knowing that this is... Like back in the 70s where things were so much more difficult. Yeah. I mean, Jane is surprised to find out that she won't be arrested for being gay in public. Yeah. And so it just like, I don't know, part of it like means a little more, I feel, mm -hmm. where it's just like, wow, like y'all really stuck together through some hard shit. Yeah. Like towards the end of what she remembers, she she starts getting memories of like what turns out to be like early victims of, of the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Which is just terrifying mm -hmm. finding out about that must have been heartbreaking jesus august goes home does her own research later nobody was calling it aids until 81 but it was there creeping silently through new york so so yeah they basically know everything they can about jane but it still doesn't help much yeah like they still don't know what happened to get her to be stuck on the train yeah and like yeah so i another thing i want to i mean we talked about this already but i do want to emphasize that something happened in new orleans yes that sent her to new york 
Yep, she remembers something happening and leaving the city because something happened. But doesn't remember exactly what happened yet. Yes. She's saying she even remembers like working at Billy's and Jerry when he was young and babe-like. <laughs> so at this point, her roommates are like, please ask her out. Like, please, please <laughs> tell her how you feel about her. You're dying. Please. <laughs> at one point, like I think it's right before the sex scene. But Alcus was like, I will literally die. Yeah. If, I, <laughs> if she stops touching me, I will literally die. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. But yeah, August autistically plans this date where she's like <laughs> <laughs> complimentary. <laughs> and where she's like, okay, so the perfect time for this is like 2.30 a.m. on a Tuesday because basically nobody is there. And I will get on on this stop because it has like the longest trajectory or something. She brings all these all these foods and stuff. And like wine. Yeah, wine, food and has has like a little picnic kind of thing. They're talking and Jane at some point is like, what the fuck, August? I can't yeah. do this anymore. To which point I was like, uh, what? Oh, yeah, oh this part scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to this and I was at Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> I was I was shopping for ice cream at, at the grocery <laughs> store, picking up my chocolate therapy. She says, I can't do this anymore. And August has a heart attack and she says, you can't do what? August, she says, and she's right in front of her. Is this a date? Am I on a date right now? I was so fucking scared. <laughs> yeah. And she says, do you want it to be a date? And she says, <laughs> no, you tell me because I've been putting every move I know on you for months and I can't figure you out. <laughs> And you kept saying you were only kissing me for research, and then you stopped kissing me, and then you kissed me again. And you're standing there and looking like that in fucking thigh highs, and bringing me wine and making me feel things I didn't even know I could remember how to feel. And I'm going out of my goddamn mind. <laughs> this is just like, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And I feel like this kind of falls under the miscommunication umbrella, mm -hmm. which I hate the miscommunication trope mm -hmm. here, but this is just so good. Plus it's rectified immediately. Yeah. They're just dumb. <laughs> yeah. They're both useless, useless queers. Yeah. I think Miley straight up calls August a useless bisexual. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, God, what a fucking mood. Like, what a... I feel like this is a very, like, distinctly queer experience. It is. Like, it's the life. It's just, oh, God, it do be like that. <laughs> so then they start kissing. Jane, like, backs her into the doors of the train. And she pins August at the hips, shoulders braced against hers, hand wrapped around her racing pulse at the wrist. And August can feel Jane like lightning in her veins. Her knees part on an answering instinct, and Jane doesn't waste time getting a leg between them. Leaning in so August's own weight grinds her down onto Jane's thigh. So pretty for me, she murmurs into the corner of August's mouth when she asks, which, yeah, that, that does it for me too. Mm -hmm. For me is really what does it. Yeah. Yeah. They kiss for a little while, and they get a little hot and heavy. And Jane says, August, what do you want? And she says, I want to kiss you. She says, you are kissing me. Jane says, what else do you want? It's embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. It is when you've never done it before. August blurts out and Jane stills. Is that it? She says, you've never had sex with a girl before? August feels her face flush. I've never had sex with anyone before. Oh, Jane says. Oh, 
Yeah, I know. It's no, it's okay. Jane says easily. I don't care. I mean, I care. It's just that it doesn't bother me. But you have to tell me what you want. I want you to touch me. She finally makes herself say, but we can't. And then the train stops and the lights go off. And I wrote, yes. Ah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Because they're alone in this car, I believe. Oh, yes. They are alone in the car. And not only are they stopped and in total darkness, they are stopped on the bridge. So nobody can see them at yeah. all. <laughs> Which I was like, hmm, how convenient. I wonder what hmm. caused this. How strange. A mystery. Mm -hmm. But, my God. So, what do you think of this sex scene? One of our two main sex scenes here. Yes. I enjoyed it, but I was not able to forget that this was taking place in a subway. And those <laughs> places, they're fucking disgusting. <laughs> and I was like, how are they doing this right now without, like... <laughs> like feeling sticky just by like existing in that space yeah that's fair yeah <laughs> i wanted more i wanted oh, more yeah. detail i was so spoiled by aita oh my god i wanted more detail mm -hmm. and at the end at the end of this sex scene i literally could not tell who came yeah <laughs> but yeah agreed that i want more i mean like we say it every episode we just want porn it's true yeah <laughs> This is like soft core porn. Yeah. I'm talking like triple X rated. I would be fined if I let a child even like look at the cover. Uh like I'm I need something fucking graphic. I want to feel the queen blush in her grave. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, cut that out. That. <laughs> don't, don't, don't cut don't it let out. RIP girl boss. <laughs> Some highlights here. Jane says that August is like a fucking painting or something stupid like that. What the fuck? You just walk around like this all the time. <laughs> which is like, yeah, mood. And so Jane goes down on her, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. While August is like braced up against the door of the train, Jane says he might want to use the door for balance. Why? Because in a minute, you're not going to be able to feel your legs. When I tell you that I was fucking blushing in the grocery store... <laughs> It really shows off an element of Jane that I love is that she's cocky just a little bit. Girl, I was literally in the cranberry juice aisle. <laughs> like, I was driving I, home with my with my four bags in the back seat. Like, like I remember exactly where I was <laughs> when I heard this thing because I was like, "Hold up, where were you?" <laughs> like, I can't tell you where I was on nine eleven, but I can tell you where I was when I read this sex scene. <laughs> Uh, what is with us bringing up 9-11 in lesbian books I'm gonna throw up. Oh, we do bring up 9-11 did you hear that Mark Wahlberg he said something like it if I was on that plane it would have gone down different. <laughs> Hang on. Oh my god. I'm fucking crying real tears. He said he was actually scheduled to be on one of the planes that crashed into the World Trade Center. He said if I was on that plane with my kids, it wouldn't have went down like it did. There would have been a lot of blood in that in that first first glass cabin. And then he's saying, okay, we're going to land somewhere safely. Don't worry. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, oh, to be that delusional. <laughs> Man, he apologized, but uh, the, the legend lives on. <laughs> oh, my fucking face hurts. Oh, God, we should even tra- uh, like tally of how many times we mentioned 9-11 on this show. <laughs> anyway, so like, here's the thing. It's more concentrate on like the feeling of having a girl go down on you on a subway train that you're absolutely in love with and she's stuck from 1976, yes? I'm sorry to bring this up again, but did they talk about (laughs) (laughs) 9-11? Oh, no. (laughs) Where was she on 9-11? She's been trapped there since the 70s. (laughs) I mean, the nice thing is we know where she was on 9-11. She was on the Q train. (laughs) Same place she is every day. I mean, like, where exactly? Like, where was she (laughs) in relation to to the World Trade Center? Oh, man. Jane is, like, sitting in the subway car, and she's like, man, we've been waiting a while. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Back to the sex scene. (laughs) No more 9-11. No more more 9-11 talk for today. We can't, we can't have 9-11 be a running joke on our <laughs> podcast. We just can't, Nicole. <laughs> oh, it's 1 a.m. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. So tell me about the sex scene. Yeah. So tell me about the sex scene. <laughs> so... I was in the cranberry juice aisle of the grocery store holding a very heavy basket, literally just standing there, <laughs> listening to this, pretending I'm looking at the light 50 calorie thing when I already know that's what I'm going to get. Oh, after a bit, she like pulls Jane back up to her for a kiss and she can taste herself on Jane's tongue. And that more than anything, the fierce wave of possessiveness it pulls over her is what has her fumbling at the fastenings of Jane's jeans. Oh. Oh. Okay, this bit here, I freaking loved. August never knew. She never worked it out in her head, exactly, what would qualify as sex with someone who has the same type of body as hers, no matter how much she wanted it, pictured it with one hand beneath the sheets. She didn't think she'd know, since she'd never done any of it, where the line is. But this, this, Jane's mouth on her, wet fingers, every hum and hitch of Jane's breath getting her off as much as a touch, the give and take of how good it feels to make someone else feel good, is sex. It's sex, and August is drowning in it. She wants more. She wants to fill her lungs up. This is such good writing. It really is. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm like, now I feel bad about myself. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's so good. It's over in a gasp, a trip over some edge that August doesn't see until they're suddenly there. An open-mouthed kiss that's more a hot exchange of breath than anything else. Teeth and skin, a low swear. Jane slumps forward, her shoulder digging into August's chest. One hand still tucked neatly beneath the lace of August's bra. And August feels alive. She feels present, somehow, here. Exactly, really here. She smears a messy kiss across the top of Jane's cheek, and feels like Jane is the first thing she's ever touched in her life. You were right, August says. About what? I can't feel my legs. Jane laughs and the lights come back on. Great timing. Mm. Don't you think? Really lucky. It's it's like it's just perfect. Yeah. Like, damn, what are what are the freaking odds? Am I right? They were not so hard the lights come on. Yeah. 
clap on. I've got a jack on. <laughs> That's going to be it for the podcast, folks. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to top that joke. That, all the 9-11 jokes yeah, are references that. this episode. I mean, we're doing great. <laughs> perfect, perfect episode. <laughs> Oak is going to have a time. <laughs> love you, Oak. Love you. <laughs> He's my brother and I love him. This episode was too long to put it all into one release. So please join us next time for the thrilling conclusion of One Last Stop. In the meantime, I would like to thank our patrons June B, the Evergreen Collective, and Coralai for their support, and listeners like you. Thank you. This April, the Moonshot Podcast Network is doing something new, unparalleled, something nobody has done before. We're asking you for money. This month is the first ever Moonshot Patreon drive. Between April 1st and 30th, we're hoping to bring in 30 new and upgrading patrons to patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork. That's one per day. The money we make on Patreon is what helps our podcasters get things like new mics, show art, and music. It also helps us put on our bigger streaming events, advertise our shows, and think even bigger. If you know us, you know we like to think bigger. Join the Patreon in April and you'll get a bunch of Drive-exclusive new podcasts, including actual plays, improv comedy, and a roundtable show with some of the hosts of our book talk shows, like Three Little Words and Kahooligans. $5 Patreons get to join us for a game night on our Minecraft server on April 7th where we take down the Ender Dragon together. You hate that guy, so do we. Help us kill him. You'll also get access to all of our usual monthly output, like Once Missed Wonders, early episodes of Champs in the Making, and more. So please join us or upgrade with us today on Patreon for $1, $3, or $5 at patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork. Visit us on Patreon or at moonshotpods on Twitter for more details about the drive. Patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork.